Hey everyone, we're back for another episode of Illuminate How to Church. And today we have an awesome guest on. We have had uh, Pastor Mark, we've had some people from our leadership team, we've had someone else on as well, which I'm blanking on their Austin name Barrett. Austin Barrett. So sorry, Austin Barrett. Uh, but today we have a, a parishioner, if you're familiar with that term, someone who's just a churchgoer, not just, but a churchgoer. Um, so we're super excited to talk to him. His name is. David Carter. David Carter. And so here's our conversation. Insert air horns. Sure. (laughs) So here is our conversation with David Carter. Hope you enjoy. this conversation and start off with uh, David we'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself everything from what you do who you are where you're from why are you here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is David Carter I've lived in Anderson for about uh, coming up on six years uh, with my wife Laurie and we now have two little girls Nora who's three and Shiloh who's almost three months uh, so she's a little bitty thing um, Moved here uh, when I got my first job in occupational therapy. Uh, I'm an occupational therapist, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, I always tell folks, because uh, I get asked this a lot when I'm in, I'm in people's houses all the time, meeting new people with therapy and all, uh, and they're always asking me, are you from around here? Where are you from? And I have to always tell folks, I'm, I'm from the whole South. Uh, my dad was a, a youth pastor all growing up. And so I was born while he was in seminary out in Texas and then moved from Texas to Mississippi and then to Georgia and then to Tennessee and then back to Georgia. Meanwhile, all the families in Alabama, which kind of danced around it. Um, And then now I'm in South Carolina. So it's basically the entirety of the South. I've hit almost all all the good ones. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. (laughs) No, nothing against any of the other ones. Make that clear on this podcast. yeah, so I grew up in, in lots of different churches. Um, funny enough, we moved about every three years, but we were in the Baptist church, not the Methodist church. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, my dad said that he was, God called him to be a, a church fixer. So it wasn't come somewhere and plant and stay forever. It was help people solve their problems you know, and, and get their churches the way God wants them and then move to the next one. And so I've seen a lot of churches the way that a lot of different places do things. Um, and it's been really neat to, to carry that through my adulthood, through college and all, and now to hope. Mm-hmm. How has that, um, being the son of a minister, like how has that impacted the way you view church and involvement for church? Do you have, do you feel like you have a particular passion for certain things because of that or no effect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've always been uh, a servant at heart is, is, is what always gets the, the phrase that's thrown out there. Yeah. Um, partly because I was always in the church and might as well do something, you know, but I was, I I prided myself on when growing up doing vacation Bible school and everybody else had to help with like a particular uh, grade level or a class or whatever. And I was uh, the gopher. I was whatever the head of VBS needs, I go do that thing. And I'm just like running errands 24 seven. So I got to see as many people as possible and do anything I wanted to. But that meant I got to serve in a lot of different capacities and, and see what everybody was up to and, and get to help out with a lot of folks. And it was, it was really neat. Uh, yeah. And then my wife was the same way. Her mom uh, was a cook for the church uh, that she grew up in. And so she was in the, in the church you know, 
five or six days a week, uh, similar like I was. And so it's, uh, it's neat how both of our, our passions for serving um, have come from very similar places. Uh, you are a PK, is what we would call it, right? Mm-hmm. As a pastor kid, mm-hmm. I am a fellow PK, so I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but how do you feel like looking at other kids' childhoods, <laughs> how do you feel like yours was different being that um, ingrained in the church to where it was just like, I'm here, so I might as well do something? Like not every kid growing up in the church, even if it's just their parents are serving a lot. They still don't have that same mentality almost. How do you feel like your childhood and then even like your faith as a kid and as a youth like was different than other people's faith, if that makes sense, or even just your experience of the church different, of, of the church? Yeah. Um, I would say, first off, as soon as I hear PK, the, the words that want to come out of my mouth are like, PKs get a bad rap. Okay? Yes, for sure. <laughs> that, oh, like, <laughs> we're not all total hellions. You know? Only like 72%. Aren't. Yeah, right. and I'm like, where, where are these kids that I've never met? Because all the ones I grew up with were totally fine, I think. <laughs> but, but, you think? Obviously, I didn't stick around to find out. But, <laughs> um, but as far as how that shaped me and who, uh, who I am now, I feel like... Other kids, you know, maybe had the opportunity, uh, but my dad being on staff a lot of places, or there was a stint for about six years. My dad uh, worked at Lifeway in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, and so we were just members of a church, and that was a, a big chunk of my childhood. And so I got just to participate and and help and do everything. And so with that, I was still, you know, whatever we were doing, you know, the, the church was having a function, whether it's you know a social or. Uh, a meeting or whatever, um, we would be there. So doing something could have just been run around quietly or or it could have been, you know, help out with whatever was going on. Um, And I feel like that didn't really, I didn't realize it in myself uh, until about college. Uh, The first church that Laurie and I went together, uh, went to together actually, we were separate at the time, but both happened to be there. Um, We were meeting in a YMCA and so they had to do the whole setup and tear down every single time they met. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, like I felt like I couldn't walk out without just asking, you know, like, hey, can I can I help you guys, you know, break this down? It seems like a monumental task. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I feel like that's one of the, to me the best way to really get to meet the people in the church because it's not just you know the church staff that does that kind of stuff. It's you know everyday members uh, as well that just help do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like you'll never be as connected as you could be in your church if you weren't volunteering, it's just getting to, to spend that time, you know, with other church members, church members or church goers, um, or just getting to meet people who happen to stumble across it. Uh, you never know who's, who's never been there before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, feel like being like a PK just shapes definitely a lot about just your experience as a whole that's so unique that only other PKs can oftentimes empathize with. Um, I, I can't imagine what on earth you do with that second day of a weekend. Right. <laughs> like, Saturday is enough. As, as a kid, I didn't understand how you could, like, do stuff on Saturday and then still have stuff to do on Sunday. And right. partly that's because, like, church filled that slot. It's what you do. Right. But the other I'm just, what's there to do? I did, like, I've hung out all week with friends, and then I hung out on Saturday. And what, I'm just going to sit at home and sit on my hands? I mean, I don't right. know. Right. No, I, I know. It's just, it's such a unique experience. And I feel like, I feel like they get a bad rap. I think the number, I just looked it up too. They, 
They said, and this is Google, so who knows? I was never asked this, and I don't think my dad has ever asked this, but they said 40% of pastors, uh, their kids have some moment or crisis where they are falling away from the church in whatever capacity. I have no, I didn't look anything past that, but I do feel like that's almost like the, the bad rep. I don't know. Do you feel like, and I just I want to focus on your background because I think it's a really unique experience that I'll, like shapes a lot about who, I know it shaped a lot about who I am and my faith today and like had a big impact on my life. Do you feel like there's almost more pressure to be a Christian, a good Christian that could go, you know, one of two ways type thing where some people crumble under that pressure and then other people are made into diamonds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like all of us here. <laughs> yeah. But did, you, did you ever feel that kind of pressure? Like, and I don't even know, you said your dad was a youth pastor, which I have no idea if different positions in the church carry different, I mean, like I, I felt like my dad was a head pastor. So it was just like, I felt like he had this like weight around him constantly that he did a really good job of separating from, from us when we were home, but at times we could see that weight, and then we, and I at least intrinsically felt this pressure to like make him proud and also be a good picture of a, a Christian kid type thing. But um, did you ever feel that pressure like growing up in the church as a PK? Um, I didn't really feel the, the pressure to, to be good. That was more just the parental pressure yeah. than anything. Of, of right. <laughs> my, my parents' classic line uh, was, act like you've been in public before (laughs) (laughs) and like I could still feel that one a little bit Uh, but I never felt like it was the pressure to to be a good Christian Um, part of that was again just you know being in the church and around people so often it seems like it kind of just you know floods you and becomes who you are in a sense Um, but I do remember at, at some point Thinking, like I, I thought I wanted to be a, a pastor or, youth, or have a job in a church somehow because I didn't know, like being a PK, I didn't know how you could be a Christian and not have a job mm-hmm. in the church Yeah, because that's where, where you are and that's where you do it. Right. Um, and then eventually, you know, growing up with people in church and seeing that their parents had other jobs and everything right. and, and realizing you can, you can still um, be a follower of Christ. You can still spread the gospel. You can still do things in the church without working there. Um, and that was, you know, took a little while to realize. It's not like I've you know, had this long time desire to, to work in the church um, and this like existential crisis when I realized that I didn't have to. Um, but I was like, but what else do you do? You yeah. know? Um, one of the things that I, I didn't draw me to occupational therapy, but um, I found once I was in it and, and loved it even more, um, was occupational therapy is about doing things you know that's my definition of it is whatever you do is is an occupation and so whether that's you know the big ones are like bathing dressing going to the bathroom um other stuff like you know cooking cleaning taking your dog out you know things to do that you do um but then one of the aspects that uh, was really impressed upon me was your spiritual life is something you do and so whether that's something as small as you know your your neck's hurting, have you tried pain medicine? Have you tried a hot pack? Have you tried praying about it? Um, is is a totally viable option in my field, or it could be I want to be able to you know get you know in and out of the pew at church because it's not just like walk up and sit down in any old chair. It's a skinny little spot that you got to scoot into a little right. bit and all. Um, and so being being a part of that uh, that realm of your life uh, was something where I was like, oh, see, I can be a Christian and have a non-church job mm-hmm. and I can still, you know, whether it's get people to church, whether it's just remind them of something or they can be totally shut off from it. And I can be like, whoa, it's okay. That's just part of, you know, just an option and we can carry on and totally go by it. 
mm-hmm. um, but I can kind of get that, sneak that little word in with people <laughs> um, if I have the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you allowed to like talk about on those, vi- like, do they have to kind of bring it up? Is that the, that's like the classic world, like they have to bring it up first or can you just kind of bring up like, hey, do you believe in God? Like type thing yeah. or like where's the balance? Like even as you're in your walk, like as you've kind of grown in that, in that and the boldness and I mean, it takes a lot of boldness and courage to even just like, funnily enough, just say like, hey, do you believe in God? Like that's like a bold statement they have oh, to yeah. make. Like it's terrifying because like you have no idea the type of response. Mm-hmm. But like, I guess, yeah, are, what are the parameters that your job gives to be able to have those conversations? Um, I don't know specifically about the job, but I would think um, I'm allowed to, to bring it up in that it would be, you know, if it's geared toward whatever we're doing. Hmm. You know, so I could, you know, the conversation could be, you know, where do you go to ba- go out of the house on a regular basis? Like to your doctor, out to eat at Chick-fil-A, you know, do you go to church? Uh, is that something that would be a struggle for you? Um, versus just asking what are your beliefs? Um, I could ask, but it would, yeah. it would be it, it, maybe, maybe a little out of left field. <laughs> yeah. um, but it would be like, okay, like, oh, I'm building rapport with this person. But like if I start evangelizing, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you do during the week? Chick-fil-A, um, work, committing yourself to follow Jesus Christ. What, do you, what are those things that you do throughout have the week? Have you done any of those previously? <laughs> we could discuss it. Yeah. Because Chick-fil-A is great. But so, is, <laughs> so is this chicken. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like, and that's kind of like, you know, in this series of we're trying to figure out how to church and why we do things the way that we do things. I think a big part of it, too, is trying to get rid of the con- misconception that the only way we can do church is in a building, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, and then often people also see themselves as, like, the only people who are pastors vocationally working at a church are ministers. And yet then we see, like, this call that we are all ambassadors of Jesus Christ, right? Like, we have those the passage in 1 Corinthians um, that tells us that we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And I feel like, I guess, how have you struck, like you said, too, like, whenever you have the, you men- just offhandedly uh, mentioned it, like, when you have the boldness, but, like, how have you kind of seen or how have you struggled to do that in your own job setting, being a, quote-unquote, ambassador of Jesus Christ? Like, what has that experience been like being in this world where it's, like, you're helping someone's physical body, but maybe like while you're helping their physical body, you're seeing all these different aspects that they have going wrong in their life that certain things would, like Kat says, my wife says it all the time, of just like, I just see like so much more than just physical happening. Like it's their mental state. They don't have any hope, so they don't want to work. It's like these types of things, like where has your Christian faith kind of come in and like helped you do that job well? And then how have you kind of, and where have you struggled to like be an ambassador of Christ in those realms? Um, and so a big part of it, um, being in people's houses, is I feel like I have to cater more to you know what's going to make them comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I don't cross that barrier. I don't yeah. ask a lot. Um, a lot of people have it plastered all over the wall and say, so you, you'd be right at home to, to ask. <laughs> right. um, and the same patient that gave me that painting the other day, uh, which was very sweet, uh, they also stopped and said, wait, before you leave, my wife wants to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was really sweet to have that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's an odd juxtaposition as far as being in the scientific community, and so there's a lot of uh, you know, pressure on that end to like just follow the facts, don't worry about beliefs. Um, and then you hear about people saying you know praying for miracles and getting them, uh, and then other people's praying and not. Yeah. Uh, and then but we're also in the South, and so it's like so richly richly ingrained in our culture that. Um, you almost can't escape it. And so the scientific community is also the faith-based community. Uh, and so it, you don't really know if you're, like, 
everybody's doing the same thing because we all believe it or because you know they're just not talking about it because they know everybody else already believes it. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, a, an odd spot to find yourself in. Yeah. I'm just thinking through that right now. Like you said even earlier, like prayer is one of those valid things that we can be doing in that. Like how has that, how have you kind of like wrapped your mind around that of like you're helping someone physically and then maybe you have that realization like should I be praying for them silently right now like for like healing? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> has that like ever caught, like well, how do you yeah. balance that? Because like the science, like what you're saying, science and faith community for sure. Like mm. I think it is awesome when those things are paired together because science is like a, leg- it's a legitimate thing. Like we can't just discredit science. But like how do you balance those two things? Um, for me, it's usually if I really feel, you know, like somebody needs it, like they're, and, uh, that would be where I'm leaning more towards. Like I had a, I've only prayed for with a patient a few times personally. Um, but it was, you know, I'm trying, I'm here to work on you because your shoulders are bad or you just got out of the hospital. You're having a tough time with whatever's going on. And all she could talk about was my son died three weeks ago mm. and, you know, I got to go to the funeral, but I've been a wreck and that's why I'm in the condition I'm in. And, you know, she had somebody helping her do a lot of things. She didn't need me to come work with her again. And I was like, can I just pray with you? Because, like, I feel bad because you feel so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is all I've got. And I'm not going to be coming back to see you ever, ever again, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. But this is what I can do. And, mm-hmm. and that's, like, the one that sticks out in my head. And I can't recall any others. No, that's <laughs> awesome. But yeah. that's it's awesome. It, it makes an hopefully it makes an impact with them because it you know, made one with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think more so just even being like the witness that you are, like just your character and kindness, like those things are huge in this in that world. I don't know. I just keep thinking back to like the stories that like Cass was sharing. I think she talked to you about like in the hospital, like the difference of like kindness and rudeness for some people just because they're so they're just wanting to get in there and get out and mm. to do their job and then leave, and the difference it was just like stay an extra five minutes. Um, I don't know. It's just like just the way that you are witness too, just in the sense that you're going in there and you're just looking at like, I'm here to make you as comfortable as possible. Like that's not potentially what every single OT or, you know, person is thinking like, I want to make this as comfortable as possible for you. You know, they're just like, how do I, can I get in there sometimes and do my job and leave? Which is not to say that you don't sometimes think that as we all, I think that when I come here, like I come here, I'm like, how can I get my job and leave um, (laughs) as soon as possible type thing. I don't know, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's cool to have, have that as a picture for other people too, because I know that's a big struggle in the Christian community, and even here, like amount of conversations that I know I've had about people who are just like, I don't know how to necessarily be a quote unquote minister in my workplace because of how hard it is to bring it up, or I don't want to be rude to someone, but I also want to share what I believe because it's a really important. I mean, it's the most important thing about how we live our life, you know, and it impacts everything. It's just like that balance. I feel like is why I feel blessed to be a, my vocation is a pastor because I don't know how I would function. Um, in that world, you know, I mean, like, I don't know how I would be a minister outside of being a vocationally paid pastor, (laughs) you know, I don't know, it's just, it's an interesting thing, and um, I don't know, I always say, like, the people who are not pastors have, like, two full-time jobs, and I just have one full-time job, you know what I mean, like, I just feel like that's how I always view it, which is just, like, I feel blessed, but then I also feel, like, so encouraged to hear those types of stories where it's, like, that's potentially having so much larger of an impact on someone's life and eternity than, I don't know, a lot of other things, but... So how much, like you kind of said it, uh, that I don't really know what else to do, you know, if you're not working in the church, but how much did that kind of like growing up at that then, then inform like kind of how you knew and how you knew you wanted to be a part of a church in the future? Like, because you do serve a lot, um, which, you know, we do commend you for, and, you, you know, you, you do kind of just say like, okay, there's something that needs to be done. Does this need help? Or 
hey, there's a fun group, a board game group. Like, let's, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's see, you know, like just stuff like that. It's just like you, you all, you and Lori both kind of are people like that where it's like, oh, there's an empty, we can see an empty space here. How can we help fill it? So almost like that. So how much so, did, like, do you think that is partially or completely because you grew up in that setting where it was just like there was such an emphasis on church as a whole and how church is done? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, it seems like to me there wasn't an emphasis on church because it was just like the 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 standard. It never had to be highlighted. It, was. it was the this is the schedule as we right. go to church. And sometimes some weeks there's more church and some weeks there's less. You know, <laughs> uh, but like the bare minimum was like Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and then we might have something going on between there. Who knows? Right. Um, or there might be a, a Bible study or or something like that. So so it's hard to say. Um, did ever tell you the, the first time Laurie and I came to Hope, we tried to volunteer, and we succeeded? Uh-uh. <laughs> it, it was, uh, I think it was like the 11th birthday or something of the church, or maybe it was more like the 10th, I don't know, anyways, because um, we've been here for about five years. So the they were having the barbecue lunch or something down by the Next Generation house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, come on down and you know, just get food or whatever. And Laura and I like immediately walked, like found the Next Gen house, walked down and we're like, how can we set up? Like, what can we do to, <laughs> you know, to put some food out, put some chairs out, what's going on? And we're like, oh, by the way, we've never been here before. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, we don't know what we're doing, but like, like, like we can't help but help. So, yeah. so let's see what we can do. Right. Um, That's amazing. And I know we've had that, you know, similar but very different experience in other churches in the area. Um, that we have friends at, and we love those friends, and we think that it's an amazing church. Uh, but we we would go, and we would. Uh, you know, sit through the service and then help break down whatever they needed breaking down. Um, and uh, most of the time it was just stacking chairs or whatever. And that would take like 15 or 20 minutes and we wouldn't talk to a soul. Mm. And, and we did that for you know, probably two or three months and never talked to anybody except <laughs> each other. Um, and even though like we're all helping do this together. And then and so we're like, well, I guess we can't really, you know, it's hard to get connected if you can't talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, even if you're you know, doing everything you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's neat to see how those can don't always line up. I guess what do you? I guess then the question is more so like what do you attribute to that motivation just to serve? Like obviously, like is that just who you are? Like yes, obviously it's a little bit of who you are. But like what do you attribute to those desires to like want to fill needs in the church and see seeing empty space and say we can do something to help with this? Like what what do you attribute to those types of feelings and? I don't know. <laughs> um, I should have prepped you more. <laughs> yeah, right. um, there is uh, some part of it. I'm a super extroverted, and I wanted yeah. to be around people all the time. And as I've thought about it over the last year or more, Laura and I have talked about it some together, that I think that some of my wanting to serve comes from if I serve, I get to be around people. Because yeah. what I don't want to do is serve in a closet where nobody knows I'm there. And it's not just for the appreciation, right. but it's like I can't enjoy being around people and doing things. Yeah. Um, if I'm serving by myself. And so it's, it seems like it'd be hard to do back. I'm sure there's a doubt for that. Um, but, um, so don't ask me to edit this, okay? <laughs> uh, but getting to, uh, to be around people and enjoy that social interaction uh, for me is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't ever see it as there's a, 
a gap in this area and I want to fill it, it's like if anybody asks for help, I'm like, yeah, I've I've got like muscles on my bones. I can I can go do stuff. <laughs> right. Um, and so we just have fun doing it. We did start the board game group, yeah. um, which went great until we had a baby, <laughs> <laughs> and that just about fell flat. Uh, and we loved the people that we got to hang out with. Yeah. Um, that was back when you know you were starting up the infinity affinity yeah. groups, not infinity groups. So that one did something special. Those are the home groups that aren't allowed to separate. <laughs> infinity, groups. infinity groups. Yeah. yeah. Find community for eternity. <laughs> well. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I think we found something good here, people. <laughs> so when you were starting up the affinity groups, you know we kind of saw the list of things that were going out there. And similar to serving, you can't really play a board game by yourself. I'm sure there's some you can find, but it's no, it's nowhere near as fun as playing with other people. Right. And so we're like, I bet there's other people in this church that like playing board games besides the people in our home group. And even if it's just the people in our home group, we now have an extra reason to get together and right. hang out. Right. Um, and it turned out there was a... a surprising number of people. Now, we yeah. didn't get to get together with everybody over the run of it because it yeah. just doesn't always work out. Right. Um, but it was so neat just to, to realize there's a lot more people interested in stuff like I am. Yeah. And in that, I can you know, grow relationships with those people. Yeah. I felt the, the same thing, too. Like, even before we had the board game group, like, I remember the first time, like, you and Lori invited us to come over sometime and just play a game or be like, or we'll come over and, like, bring you guys a game. And... Uh, I don't, I don't know how, but it was kind of the first time it clicked in my mind that, like, oh, like, community and church doesn't have to be, like, complicated, and it doesn't have to be, like, sitting down at a Bible study, even though there's a place for that, and that's great for spiritual growth, um, but sometimes it can just be playing a game, watching a movie, like, just getting to have that, that moment together, and how, I don't know, important and underrated that is for, for building just friendships and stuff, like, that it's okay to just have fun. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like part, uh, one of the things that we I learned growing up too was that being in being a PK, being in that household, seeing the human side of, of that role mm-hmm. um, was hearing that just like, you know, people are people and that means they can be flawed. Yeah. People and staff are people and they just enjoy being with other people and not having to be turned on <laughs> as a staff member all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my, my mom or dad one saying specifically, it was so nice that they liked having friends outside of their church. Um, so they didn't have to be that role. Mm -hmm. And so Laurie and I have found that a lot of our friends were pastoral staff in some sense. And so we're like, maybe that's the role God put us in is just be friends with these people because they need friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and so getting to, we, we have some wonderful friends from college that we had moved hours apart, states apart even, um, and we try to get together like, you know, once a year or something like that just to, to talk and hang out. And it would let him just unload about, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the people he's serving with or something. And, and like just kind of vent a little bit, not in a bad way, but just like these are the struggles we have. Right. And, and I can't offer anything more than like, man, that does sound like it sucks. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, and, but, but and then we have coffee and, and go eat yeah. or play games or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we try to carry that through with whoever we're around, but particularly staff because it's just. It's fun to get to know people. 
not have to you know, try and squeeze in a conversation while you're walking out of church because you know the guy behind you wants to talk to Mark as well um, right. and that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like that's the point too. Like if what you're saying like, it's not supposed to be complicated, like I feel like we always do overcomplicate it and we overcomplicate it by having different types of groups and all these different things. But it's also, I feel like that's the tough balance for me is just like when to overcomplicate and what, or I mean, I guess maybe it's the wrong word. Maybe when does it need to be like that and then when does it need to just be simple? Because yeah, I think that's a, you know, you're talking about two different cells. Like my wife, Cassie, always tells me, uh, like we sometimes come home from Sunday and she goes, Nathan, like Pastor Nathan is still on right now. Can you please, like, can you, <laughs> yeah, can you yeah. turn him off? And I'm like, it's so weird because it's not like a different person. It is just like, uh, it's not like I'm putting a different self out there that's not my genuine self. It's just like you kind of like just almost like you turn up all the knobs so the volume is as loud as possible mm-hmm. and like you are as sensitive as possible to everything that's happening around you and you are just like this over energetic person which is why it's so exhausting after Sunday you kind of like get this lull but I just I don't know I just think yeah I think the the biggest like moments for us and like even watching my dad like for him like the biggest moments that he could like genuinely relax were with people ironically who were outside of the church because he didn't feel like he had to be on Mm-hmm. And I always feel like that's so interesting of just, like, it, it's, I don't know. I always try to, like, look at scripture to see, like, what the model is for that. And I don't really see, I don't see a whole lot of, like, should a pastor be on and off. <laughs> I don't know if Paul ever talks about that. Um, but I feel like that is, like, a really interesting point to make of, like, it's awesome that you guys have a heart for that, too. But I, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to think about, like, I, uh, pastors, like, oh, I forgot what, who says it, but I'm sure a lot of people, but, like, pastoral staff is like one of the loneliest positions in the world Mm. just because it is like you feel this isolation and yet you are surrounded by the most people possible probably more than any other person right like you have all these people that want to talk to you um like mark mark has so many people that want to talk to him on a sunday morning um and yet still it's like one of the loneliest positions in the world which is just such an interesting dichotomy and like these two i I don't know i don't understand how it necessarily works but so all to say i don't really know where i was going with that but it's I appreciate you saying those things and having that heart because it is evident that you guys have that heart. And I think it is needed um, in recognition that pastors are people too. And that's another balance. It's like pastors are people too, but then Bible says pastors are to be held more accountable. And it's like, okay, well, how do you, it's just, it's a whole lot of, question marks everywhere you know what i mean like how do you how do you live don't, don't call it separate but equal right don't, don't do it. right no, i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do that i don't know what you would call it but uh, and back to what you were saying too that you know having a heart for that you know it's i would say it's even you know taking a step back it's just being sensitive to it yeah you know just anybody in the church can you know can be friends with anybody you know yeah. take it back to grade school and just mm-hmm. you know, notice the people around you and you know have a conversation. It doesn't have to be about church because we're at church, you know. Right. And so it's, I don't even know. It's easy just to have a con- For me, it's easy to have a conversation because I'm so extroverted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn to because I was a waiter for five years at a high-class restaurant. So I had to come up with quality small talk that I could then reuse over and over, mm-hmm. um, which is hard when you're a therapist who now says, so where are you from? And they say, Anderson, every time. <laughs> but, or, we used to live over in Honeypath. Now we're in Anderson. Um, but so that one, it took that one off the table. But other than that, um, yeah, just being able to, to, to talk to people and you know, I, don't know, some, I guess part of being sensitive is realizing that somebody doesn't want that relationship. Uh, but who doesn't want a relationship with a good guy? You know. <laughs> I'm a good person. I'm a fun guy. I'm fun. <laughs> 
I guess I know I can speak to the the introverted <laughs> side yeah, of that do. too. Yeah. Um, because for me, like conversations are so daunting, and with people I know, it's kind of easy because I can predict. I like to be able to plan in my head. I can kind of know like common ground is established, and so um, it's easy for me. And so I know for me, something I've challenged myself to do is uh, just set a very attainable bar of like, I don't have to have a full-fledged conversation with a stranger. I just have to know their name. And so I'm just gonna go up and be like, you know, hey, what's your name? <laughs> and if I can just start with that and be able to like say to that person like, oh, hey, Virginia, like, you know, that makes how, a huge you, difference. how you doing, you know? And, and that eventually will lead to conversations, especially like, because odds are I'm also talking to another introvert, because if they haven't introduced themselves to me at this point, <laughs> odds fair. are it's another introvert. <laughs> and so if we can just start with that, it helps to create just a really simple, common ground. And again, like it's a, it's a nice attainable goal for someone like me, where it's like conversations are like horrifying. Um, but yeah. yeah. Laurie and I were watching, uh, well, I'll say Laurie was watching and I just happened to be in the room, but I was full on watching. Uh, what was it? Now that sounds weird. But, uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, no, Laurie was watching uh, Married at First Sight and something struck me last night that uh, I'd never thought about. That the, the, the couple, because they don't know each, the premise of the show is they get married the first time they meet each other and it's all arranged and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's practically modern arranged marriage, but it's a reality TV show. So like it, you know what's coming but the one of the things I'd never thought about was the girl said that uh, the guy in the relationship was so very like talkative and extroverted she liked that he could carry a conversation and she didn't have to and I was like I've never thought about the fact that like as an introvert you may just not want to talk but you still want to be like in or around the conversation yeah and that's that's you know groundbreaking to me because I'm married to one of those (laughs) (laughs) so it's just to to know that it's you know you know to bring that extroverts and introverts was such a big thing a few years ago but Mm -hmm. uh to be extroverts and introverts together and to be okay is is possible is such a neat concept yeah i think when you keep community simple too is when that space is like provided where it's like yeah board game group you were an extrovert but i'm sure there was definitely introverts in that group as well but it gave a space for like kind of everyone to kind of just come together and say this is simple no one has to like necessarily even talk during this like conversation is going to happen because we're all playing a game that everyone most everyone enjoys so I feel like yeah that's that is like a good point to make like keeping community simple usually brings out that space so that everyone can at least experience it and not have to feel like this pressure to bring some lofty comment or uh, know these theological concepts if it's centered around a Bible study and feel like pressure like oh gosh I'm gonna have to answer this question (laughs) uh, type thing for sure do you feel like that's uh, like throughout your experience in different churches and everything like that too, did it kind of shape for you like what you valued most in a church? And oh, then yeah. what do you feel like, what do you feel like you value most? Like when you're looking at a church or when you decide to stay at Hope, like what did you value that you saw there that was like, okay, they're valuing what I value as well? Yeah, so Laurie and I visited a church uh, when I was in OT school. We were living in Augusta, Georgia. And we went to the church. We'd heard some, some good things about it from friends. Um, their worship style was, you know, pretty high octane and everything. Um, so that was interesting to see coming from like a Baptist, we use hymns and occasionally, um, a guitar or something. So anyways, we, uh, we went and we realized the pastor was talking a lot about, um, 
the, the things that God can do for you and the way that you can get those things, basically. Um, but we realized he never said Jesus' name a single time in the whole sermon. <laughs> and we thought that was really weird because we feel like he's pretty essential to the story. So-so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so we, before we were even, I think we got in the car and immediately got on the church's website and looked up like what their beliefs are. And it was, you know, the first two were very basic things, you know, God is God and that's, you know, you know and that's essential. And we're like, okay, that's good. Jesus <laughs> died for our sins um, and, and rose from the grave. And we're like, yep, that's a good thing. Uh, the Holy Spirit can and should be a part of your Christian walk. And we're like, can and should? Like, I'm pretty sure he, like, he, he is. Like, yeah, yeah. And we're like, oh, I yeah, now... Yeah, like, <laughs> Take this back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we're like, I never realized that looking into what an organization or what a church believes is so important mm. if I want to you know, invest myself there. Um, and so now that was, that was one of the first things we did when we came to Hope. Um, first or second week, I guess, after surfing barbecue with strangers, um, <laughs> was we came to Wendy and we asked for uh, like what their statements of belief were. Um, and they were like, uh, nobody's ever done that before. And the hand, I think they were done the, the DNA book or whatever they yeah, did. And so yeah. we took it home and like flipped through, like it wasn't like we're reading a legal document or anything. Yeah. Or like, we want to know what we're getting into. Right. Um, because we, not that we don't want to waste our time, but it kind of didn't want to waste our time. No, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we have our tradition at the end of always asking oh, yeah. for a book recommendation, um, in, is it extenuating circumstances? We can allow for a music or a podcast or mm-hmm. other recommendation, but and it does not have to be a Christian book. Yeah, we always mm-hmm. do say. That. I mean, it can't be like a book. <laughs> any book. But the Bible. Yeah, but the Bible. Uh, <laughs> so I've got to go back to my audible, audible list because I, I don't read at all. Um, it, it's it's a terrible habit that uh, I'm. If I try and sit down and read, I get I have to get comfortable to do that. As soon as I get comfortable, I'm asleep in five minutes. Flat. Was that before or after you had kids, or is that always I've always, always been that okay. way? I, I would I didn't want to get you know crooked back in the chair, right. rock and, back, and just... I'm like, this is a good spot. And it's also a good nap spot. For sure. Uh, so, but being a home health therapist, I get to drive around all over Anderson County, um, and instead of just listening to the radio to the same songs all day, uh, I've pulled out. Uh, Audible or something else, and so I listen to books all day. Um, one of my favorites, one of the last books I actually did read physically was uh, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men or Mansfield's Book of Manliness. Um, and it's just a, a list basically of like 20 or so uh, men in like recent-ish history uh, whether it's presidents or just you know scientists or men of great renown, mm-hmm. um, some of them are Christians, some of them are not. Sometimes the book leans into it, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great one for me uh, to to just realize you know you don't have to just be a Christian or just serve in a church or just do your job. You can do do things excellently, mm-hmm. and that's great. Um, and you can you know incorporate that excellence in other areas of your life um, and so getting to see a lot of just neat examples um, the one I think of is uh, the chapter on Teddy Roosevelt and now he as a young kid had asthma yeah. I was literally like this sucks and he's like and so he boxed and he trained and he literally like fought the asthma out of his body 
And then he went to become one of the Rough Riders, which is like the last super hardcore, like pre-modern infantry groups in in the, I don't know, army or something. Um, And went on to uh, fight, I don't know, like natives in Cuba high on cocaine that were like almost unkillable. And they're just like, let's get them, boys! And and did it. Like It's crazy some of the stuff they did. Um, And so just like, just the excellence of uh, with that one being, you know, I, I want to do, and so I'm going to, and and that's just a and that's a theme through the whole book is is finding out how to do stuff and and, and being manly in that sense. Okay, I had another question about just in the same realm because you are a movie person. Yeah. What's the best movie you've watched recently? Uh, Free Guy was fantastic. Free Guy was really good. Yeah. It, it, Free Guy was what Ready Player One wanted to be, but was not. Uh, Ready Player One was like an okay, was a I good was book more with an okay movie. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be like more serious than Free Guy, right? No, it was, was they're I, supposed to just like both be like a crossover between like uh, real world and like immersion virtual yeah. uh, world, and it's just Free Guy made it a whole lot more fun and enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, whereas Ready Player One tried to be so CG heavy, which is what it was supposed to be, but it just didn't come across the oh, same man. way. That or it's because it's one of those where like the book was better kind of thing. I yeah. don't know. I guess that's a, a background reason why I don't read. It's because that way the movies are fantastic every time. Yep. I don't know what I'm missing, yeah. so who cares? I listened through the whole Harry Potter series, but that was well after I had seen all the movies. And so I'm just kind of like, oh, it's hard to pick out what's different when it takes 24 hours for one book mm-hmm. to find the differences. It's much easier the other way around. Did you do the, what's his name, Jim oh, Daly? Yes. And his, uh, He's got a his <laughs> drunk sounding, um, who's the one? Hermione sounds funny. Hermione's hilarious. Yeah, she always says, Harry. You really shouldn't be doing that, Harry. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, the, um, who's the one in the second book? Gilderoy. Gilderoy Lockhart. Uh, and he sounds like he's drunk, <laughs> Harry Potter. It's a good representation of Gilderoy Lockhart. It was so funny. It's like I never oh, imagined I this character that so way. <laughs> I was trying to find any other books that I liked, but I'm listening through like almost everything C.S. Lewis has ever written. Is his middle name really Staples? Because mm-hmm. that's nuts. Clive Staples. I thought that was made up. I just listened to um, Out of the Silent Planet. Uh, so underrated. The yeah. trilogy? Surpri- I, uh, I did, the trilogy, not, the book series, right? The trilogy mm-hmm. book series? Yeah, I just finished the first book. Yeah. Um, because Kyle was reading um, Kyle Gilliard and uh, told me I should should give it a shot. And like the first three hours, I was just like, this is boring. And then yeah, they the actually get to what's like, going on. And I was like, oh, now I see where this is going. And it's actually yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Their depiction uh, or his depiction of the differences in physical states as a difference in speed. And then mm-hmm. uh, the, the correlation between like gods and angels and people versus, uh, on that planet and everything. I was like, oh, this is... I kind of like it. Okay. I, yeah. get, I get it. It's making some connections I've never made. It was neat. Yeah. But man, the beginning of that one was boring. Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's rough <laughs> to get past some of The same guy reads all of C.S. Lewis's stuff, I think, on Audible oh, at wow. least. And so like, I can't separate myself from Narnia. Whereas like, now like his voice just sounds like early 1900s England. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, every person in England sounds the same. That's a shame. But... Uh, did you see where the guy, I'm blanking on his name, um, Smeagol. Um, oh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. Andy Serkis read The Hobbit in one sitting over COVID, like 2020. He read it in one sitting to raise charity. Um, but I think now it's announced that he's doing, uh, he may already have done it or he's going to, but he's going to, he's already read The Hobbit. So you can listen to The Hobbit 
in his voice, which is awesome because Gollum has tons of parts in that. But then he's also gonna read the three Lord of the Rings as well. So he's got a good. He's got a. He just has a creepy voice. Like I can't listen to him and not think. Anytime he plays Spiegel. like a serious role, like yeah. that isn't a villain. If he ever tries to play a non-villain, I'm just when does he play away. non? Other than Planet of the Apes, that, uh, the Batman. Yeah. Alfred yeah. was not a villain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is he in the new one? Yeah. Oh, oh, I haven't seen, seen it yet. It. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> dude. It's really good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, Michael um, Deering, he said, the only thing that I didn't like was I couldn't find a place, like, to, or time in the movie to get up and pee. Because <laughs> every moment, feel like, flows right into the, he's like, it's so, so good. good. So, yeah. I didn't realize he was Alfred in that, but that's exciting. Yeah. He's cool. All right, well. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're never good at ending these things, but we really do appreciate you coming on and making time in your personal day to, to come over here and, and record this with us and for being such an avid listener of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know y'all had started back this season and Laurie was like, you realize they have a, an episode out. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can be like, well, that's it. And like have the outro music play and you're like, Come on. What? It's over now. <laughs> See ya. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining us for today's episode. Just a reminder that if you have any questions or feedback about the show, you can reach us at podcast at hopeandanderson.com. And we really want to hear what you guys want to he- talk here about. <laughs> First year. Nailed it. Yeah. Here, talk about. Uh, no, we really do value your inputs, and we want to be talking about things that you guys um, are interested in listening about. And I think we all have questions of why we do church the way that we do church. So, if you have anything that you want us to talk about, or someone that you want us to maybe try to talk to, uh, just email us at podcast at hopeandanderson.com. Bye. Bye. Podcast at hopeandanderson.com. <laughs> Dad gummit. <laughs> you can just hear the brackets. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Do we want to redo that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to start over from the beginning.